Kim Schmidt, Managing Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. In this episode, brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC sits down to talk with Aaron Fintel of 21st Century Equipment. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Before we turn things over to Casey, a quick word from Iron Solutions, who is making this podcast a reality. Iron Solutions provides dealers with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. Their Iron Search and Iron Guides are all about managing your dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. Casey and Aaron sat down to talk following this year's Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas in the fall. They kick things off talking about how soft the four-wheel drive market is and whether there's any pent-up demand out there for four-wheel drives. idea I had when we were coming out here was uh, kind of talk about the four-wheel drive market and then how the track machines kind of stack up in that, into that mix now. We've got, obviously we've had the four-wheel drive marketplace for a long time here in the last 20 years now, I guess we've had, oh, more than that, I guess, 30 years now, we've had the, the two-track segment of the market come in with the early Caterpillars in 87. Oh, yeah. yeah come in and then all the way through uh, what we see now with the four-track systems, whether it be the, the Case Quad Track or the John Deere 9RX. So, for the most part. And uh, that's been around since the two-track, too. Yeah. Pretty close. No, that no, was no, late no. 90s. It was late 90s, like 97, yeah. 98. So now we got those those segments to talk about. But now, what's your take on the four wheel drive market right now? Soft, soft. I know that's a big shock, but it's it is pretty soft right now. There are a few spots within it that are okay, and you know you get that the super low hour. You know what I'd say, five hundred on down. Mm-hmm. Those are those are pretty soft, and I think it's just because of the price tag of them you know you get that oh 460s 470s on up um with pto and say thousand plus hours that's been a been a decent decent mover yeah um but you know by and large that that whole realm of the business is pretty soft right now yeah i would agree with that i mean you take a look at and it's not that i feel like there's a lot of them on the market it's just there's not a lot of them that are being moved. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's not, there's a lot of 3,000, 4,000 hour machines that are kind of floating around out there. Um, and obviously, there's the further down uh, towards zero hours you get, the less machines there are, obviously, because right. new, new production and those kind of things. But for the most part, it's just a stagnant marketplace, right? Yep. It's, not a, it's not like there's too many out there to be had. But it's just stagnant. Um, how do you feel some of that long-term demand will, is right now? I mean, do you feel like there's pent-up demand there? That guys just aren't, maybe they're looking at replacing their combine right now and not their four-wheel drive? Or do you feel like that's just, just there's just not a lot of demand for them right now? Like maybe that's the last thing they're looking to do something with? Yeah, I, I think there's some of that. I In, in most cases... Especially if it doesn't have a PTO, you know, it's just the tillage horse and it's not, you know, it's not my, 
my loader tractor, my planter tractor, you know, it's just the yeah. big, the big horse that it doesn't, it's not always high on the priority list, you know. I would expect to see some change, and I think even, you know, if you look at, at uh, like, say, how September was in that realm versus the summer, it got, it, it already getting, you know, there's more talk and more action on that kind of tractor, and I think that, you know, it's fall tillage is coming, so that's, uh, that's part of it right there. One thing I've been watching and paying attention to is the number of four-wheel drive units or high horsepower, whether it's a track machine or whatever it is, how many of those machines are being ordered with a PTO and a three-point. Right. Right. Maybe not so much the, the three-point, but the PTO. Yeah, it's Absolutely. a must. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like the machine that doesn't have the PTO on it now, whether it be, uh, I think it's like 2012 and newer. Yeah. When you get older than that, you really still you struggle to find the number of machines that have PTO on them. Right. Do you think that machines without PTO, that's become, they're becoming obsolete on those four-wheel drives? No, I don't think so because you still got, I mean, you still got guys that are just going to use it to till with, mm-hmm. you know. You got plenty of areas in, well, even in, even in the kind of scattered all over, you know. Uh, Canada, the wheat belt, the corn belt, you know, there's... There's still guys that order new ones without it, so mm-hmm. I think they're always going to have a place out there. But you know, it, I think the impact on on them not having PTO should probably be bigger than than what it is. You know, as far as like a trade in value, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily bump up the one with PTO, but kind of hammer on the one that doesn't have it, right? So what you're saying is the PTO is the market setter. Yeah, I, I think so. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, P, PTO and high flow. That's two things I wouldn't even dream of ordering a four-wheel drive tractor without. Yeah, high flow hydraulics anymore is, is really a must because of the hydraulic demands of equipment. Oh, yeah. Whether it's a air seeder or a planter or, or uh, whatever it is. Circle bar mower. Circle bar mower. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I always like to mow my ditches with a 15-foot bat wing. Yeah, a, with, a, with hydraulic drive. And a 40,000-pound tractor. Yeah. Makes me makes it so much easier. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about the two-track market. Okay, so right now, the only... I'm trying to think if, if there's anybody else, but outside of Challenger and John Deere, there's not another manufacturer of two-track machines, is there? Mm-mm. Yellow or green. That's right. Okay, so what do you think about that market? How, how do you feel that compares to the wheeled marketplace? I think it was way better than the wheeled market uh-huh. until summer. Okay. Of course, you know, everything is sucked in the summer because of the the tariffs and the... What's, what are you talking about? Trade. <laughs> I haven't heard about the tariffs. Trade, the trade war and, and all that jazz. Yeah. But I think that this spring that... The nine RT nine thousand T market was pretty decent. We have quite a few of them around here and there and all over, and I, it was it was a really good market. It's gotten like instantly overnight slow, but you know there again, it's we're coming into fall tillage and whatnot, so I could see uh, you know see them picking up. Yeah. 
Where do you think the biggest difference lies between the two as far as popularity goes? You know, there's um, some pockets that, that have nothing to do with, with track or at all. Right? Mm-hmm. And there's some that have, uh, that's all they buy, you know. seems like the further north you get, the more popular tracks become. The further south you get, uh, the less popular they are. But you are starting to see a lot of two-track machines pop into areas where you didn't, didn't really see them. I would say 10 years ago, 8 years ago, in the Panhandle, Nebraska, two-track machine wasn't a very popular tractor, right? Yeah, so, and in, in a 9,000, right. Yeah. Now it's, it's really, we're seeing a lot more two-track machines out here than we've had in the past. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, Farming practices have changed, too. Right. A lot of potatoes and stuff right. popped in there. Yep. And as we sell those guys new ones, you know, we get trade-ins, and I think yeah. there's more guys like, oh, hell, we'll try it, and, you know, they might demo it and try it out in the field and decide, hey, I do kind of like this and give it a whirl, so. Yeah. What do you think some of the misconceptions are of two-track machines compared to a wheeled machine? That they ride bad? Yeah. I mean, they're not... They're not the, you know, floating on a cloud type deal. But either either is a wheel tractor, you know. Um, roading is less enjoyable, I guess, in a, in a two-track. And probably as far as just over general, general overall operation deal is guys don't like the berming on the end. Mm-hmm. Well, I know guys that only have tees and they do everything in a skip pass and you never berm then right you know so i don't know and they you know oh the tracks are expensive and oh undercarriage maintenance and all that you got the same thing on wheel tractors right and if especially when you're looking at the nine thousand market you go price four seven tens or four eight hundreds Versus two 36-inch tracks. Yeah. Tracks win every day, yeah. constantly. Yeah. So, I I don't know. And it's, you know, the whole thing with the, there's not that much maintenance to the tracks as long as you, you know, keep an eye on it and bring it into your deer shop and have them make sure everything's all right every winter, which everybody should do with everything. Right. But I don't know. I think I think that's part of it. I myself am a track fan, so I it just make more sense to me to, to each his own. Do you feel like the uh, two track market is holding its value compared to what it is over a, a wheeled machine? We start looking at resale value. You mean are they worth more than a well, are they, are tractor they, for tractor? Are they worth more? No, no. I'm saying are they holding their value the same? So, like for example, just hypothetically throw a number out there a, a two-year-old wheeled machine is whatever 80 percent of the of the original sell price right do you think the two-track machine is, is maintaining that same level of resale at a two-year a two-year-old basis yeah yeah i think <clears throat> i think it's holding its own you know in that ratio whatever that number may be as good as the wheel tractors i really do and even though there's there's wheels four track two track there's there is a lot of fandom or preference whatever you want to call it with those two track guys and that that market's not going away it's like a 
It's almost like a cult. <laughs> a little cult following. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. The guys that are track guys are track guys, man. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's no... They're not going go to go back to being a will machine. Like, right. Unless they have to. You know what I mean? Yep. But, but they got tracks, and they usually don't go back to wheels. Right. After, now, vice versa, though, you know, you could, you could see a lot of wheel guys going to the track. So, now we've got one last kind of segment to talk about, and that would be the four-track systems that are out there now, whether it be Deer's 9RX or Case IH's uh, quad track and who else? Versatile. Del- oh, yeah. Delta track. Yeah, they got the Delta track. I forgot about that. And then um, that's it. Huh? Those those three? Yeah. And there's all kinds of aftermarket systems that you're starting to see pop up Which, out there. yeah, which yeah. New Holland offers from the factory, that aftermarket deal. But it's, like, all done at the factory. And I don't remember who makes that, but somebody does. Camelplast makes a track system. Well, it's not called Camelplast anymore. Camelsol? Yeah, there you go. Cam, cam, cam something or something, another. Yeah. yeah. They make one. I think Mudhog makes a, a a track system for their four-wheel drives. Really? Yeah. Like for the rear wheel, rear wheel drive on the combine? Yep, so they have a video playing out here that they had... Uh, John Deere. He has a John Deere with the John Deere track system you can get on the combine. And then they had those tracks, tracks on, the back. on the back. Oh, yep. that's badass. <clears throat> yeah, I could imagine there's a rice guy right now going like, that's a winner. <laughs> yeah. We'll get back to Casey and Aaron in a moment, but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. Casey and Aaron left things off talking about two-track machines and some of the misconceptions of two-track machines compared to wheeled machines. Now here's Casey with a quick message about moving iron. Hello, I'm Casey Seymour, and I want to thank Farm Equipment Magazine for partnering with me to bring you the Farm Equipment Podcast Series, Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmap. The podcasts are taken from my weekly podcast, Moving Iron Podcast. Moving Iron Podcast is a podcast designed for ag equipment dealers by ag equipment dealers. The weekly podcast focuses on current events and trends across the ag equipment marketplace in North America. Along with dealers, I interview the biggest names in the ag industry. Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Aga Marketing is a regular guest talking about commodity markets and risk management. You can also hear guests like Greg Machinery Pete Peterson and Tyne Morgan of the U.S. Farm Report. If you are in the ag equipment business or have an interest in the ag equipment business, this is a must listen for you. You can find the podcast at movingironllc.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Also at movingironllc.com, you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from the Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you would like, you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Thanks, Casey. Let's get back to the program now as Casey and Aaron discuss the marketplace for track machines. They also get into how they see the last quarter of this year finishing up. There's so let's talk about that marketplace. So that was when the when the the 9RX came out. 
I was a bit leery of how it was going to affect the um, two-track market. I really thought that there was going to be a, a significant kind of swing. Maybe the guy that had the, the two-track system that wanted to go back to a four-track system because of the berming issue that they were so concerned about and the whole thing that still had the, the track right. track mindset didn't come close to happening. If anything, it bolstered that market, made it way made it more strong than what it was before. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, so I would agree with that, and I don't know. I'm really, and I was talking to a couple other dealers, you know, about that while we were out here, and there's a whole lot of just not real sure about that market, you know, from a lot of guys, and a, some of these guys sold a hell of a lot more of them than we have. I wouldn't say leery of it, but it is it. That market is a little bit of a head scratcher, uh-huh. just because. God bless a four hundred thousand dollar used tractor. But I will say this: the used ones that we have or have had, we sold them. Yeah. Very quick. I mean, pretty quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it seems like the used ones that you see other dealers selling, you're seeing those sell pretty quick too. Yeah, if as long as they're not bareback. Yeah, but all you know, all the ones we had were were every single damn option on them. Three point PTO, yep. pleather seat, mm-hmm. the whole works. Refrigerator, refrigerator. Yep. Case Seymour's favorite option. <laughs> they can keep things cool, you know, <laughs> like <way>. sodas. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't know about that market. I'm. I'm not a. I would be one of those guys that have become a bigger fan of the two-track since the four-track came out. And I have my own reasons that I can't share for that. But you're, you're right. We have, we've had them. We've sold them fairly fairly good. It's just, I, I just, I don't know. It's, I think it's, I, I think, and the reason that I don't know, you know, that, that we kind of scratch our heads with that market and that so many other dealers are is because, you know, it, it is new. It's a whole new thing, and it's just kind of wait and see. Well, and it's expensive too. Oh my God, it's expensive. I mean, that's and that's what's four hundred thousand dollars for a used tractor. Well, but you look across across the whole spectrum of used equipment right now. There's a lot of four hundred thousand dollar used pieces. Of there equipment. shouldn't be any. There's a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're you're trying to keep. You know, there's the adage that there's a certain amount of your um, used equipment as prices of new equipment goes up. There's a correlation that's supposed to exist there, and I'm not saying that there isn't a correlation there. And that yes, that's not that is you know as the new goes up, used are supposed to follow. And certain segments uh, over the last five years, there's been some of that. That's been true, but a lot of it's it hasn't kept up with the same pace anyway. Right. It is. I mean, obviously, a a 2012 combine is not worth as much as a, a 2017 or a 2018 used combine, oh, right? yeah, right. And that's all correlated back to the price of the new ones, right? But the percentage, when you start looking at percentage of, of, of MDPs and everything else that go into that, they're, they're not keeping up with the same pace. You know what I'm saying? If you look at, you can argue like, oh, well, look, here's what it's asked for, and here's the different things that are there, but a lot of the games that you have to play to get stuff sold now is... You know, that cuts into that if you actually see what to physically sell it for. Right. Like real dollars, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, so. And and I think every dealer, I don't care if it's 
a John Deere dealer or a Kate's dealer or a New Holland dealer or a Lexion dealer or whoever it is, everybody's playing that same game. Kubota dealer. Kubota, absolutely. Mahindra. Yeah, even a Coyote probably in that mix. Uh, a Montana. Yeah, we have a used Montana if anybody's interested. I'm jacked. Oh, it's got cab. Nice little rig. And it's got these, that, that pretty teal color that we love so much. Yeah, they're, it's but more foresty green. Maybe after it's in the sun a little while, it gets, it gets teal. <laughs> Tealed. There you go. Like the old uh, 1293 corn heads yeah. that turned blue. Yep. That was awesome. Yep, that was. You could always spot those that, mm-hmm. year, that year break there when they don't even need serial number on them babies. Yeah, I know what year it is. It's a 94 to 96. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what do you think about this? So, we're heading in the last quarter of the year. This is our peak. With three timeouts still <laughs> remaining. <laughs> last Down quarter. by four. Down by four, yep. So we're moving in the last quarter. What's your feel, man, going into the, into the end of the year? Do you feel like there's going to be a, a, a market that's I'm, – I'm bullish about it. I think that there's going to be, like I said on here before, not because they want to, because they have to. That's where they're at um, with equipment. I'll be interested to see how the auction market plays into that. Yeah, that'll be a big thing this this in this quarter is, you know, so many damn auctions. You know, so, Sullivan said they got, what, 70 or yeah. 80? Yeah, in three months. Yeah. So, you know, and that's one auction firm. Yeah. You know, so there's going to be a lot of them. There is, so we'll have to see how that kind of plays into stuff. I don't think I am as, as you said bullish, right? Bullish on it as you are. Um, I don't think it's a fall out of bed deal either. I, you know, I guess I would. My guess would be that uh, just kind of maintain. Yeah. I my my reason maintain kind of what September and October has been so far. Mm-hmm. You know, all five days of October. Better than summer. You know, I feel like summer was real dead, but... I kind of feel like, because of the tax loss, some guys did some stuff with leases where they were traded in machines and and used that towards that, and that's going to... Uh, that could cause a problem where they might have to go buy a tractor. Just, right. Just to offset that, you know, what the income versus the... The asset value is yeah you know. how that trade in is played now yeah and I think when they get down to talking with their with their accountant we might see a few a little bit of that come our way or you know I guess any number of things can happen but I feel like there's going to be that's part of my my bullishness there I think the other part of it is a lot of guys are looking at a cash flow perspective and they have three or four years on the machine that they've done just enough to get by for three or four years. And now they they have to, they, just to get by now is going to be expensive. And I think that they're going to look at that and say, all right, well, I can make a thirty or $40,000 payment, and then I can have a twenty or $30,000 shop bill. And cash flow-wise, that's sixty or 70000 bucks. If I get a new combine or a new-to-me combine, right. and my payment's fifty. I mean, how's that affect my overall thing? That's where I think a lot of this bullishness has come from for me. I mean, yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> if they're, they're measuring cash flow and they're going to say, this makes more sense to do this or, you know, diminishing returns on assets, start looking at spending a bunch of money on something that you don't get back because you made it operate. Right. You know what I mean? It's, yep. It's, that's exactly right. I'm not going to say you don't get all your money back, right? Well, yeah. You get some of it back, but it's not like you don't get forty grand more because you spent 40000 bucks on it. Right. right. Exactly. So Exactly. And odds are, you know, what I, in the past, working with guys, there's been guys that have spent that twenty, thirty thousand 30000 on a combine mm-hmm. and then decide, oh, I want to trade it, and they just spent that. The yeah. best way to do that is if you're going to commit to that kind of shop work on that thing, you got to run it. You got to run it one year. Yep. You got to run it that one year. So that way, when you turn it back in, you are getting your money back out of it. Right. Because you're going to get production and then you're going to get some depreciation out of that as well. Right. Know? So, um, what's the one machine right now that you feel is uh, one of the hotter units out there? I'm talking if it's a tractor, like a horsepower range, or if it's if it's a if it's a combine, the size wise. I mean, what do you what what's the one machine that you feel like we're getting some play on that maybe either you're shocked by or maybe you are eight RTs. Okay, eight RTs are just about as hot as anything. Why do you think for, that is for us? Why do you think that is? Is it the change in farming practice? I mean, just because of the crop mix you're seeing now? Or? Yeah, I think it's that's uh, part of it. You know, I, within our AOR, it seems like there is just a boatload of spuds mm-hmm. grown, um, and those guys all love tracks. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, sold, you know, a couple that we've had to other dealers, and and I don't know. I know one was going into potatoes mm-hmm. with them. Um, but I don't know on all of them. So I, I would say that if I had to pick something that isn't puking your mouth gross right now, it would be 8RT. You know which one I think it is for me? that I'm, And maybe it's just because I'm paying more attention to it now than I did in the past, but grain carts. Not so much the number of grain carts we're selling the number of grain carts we are trading in and they're buying a, a new or a bigger one mm, yeah you know what i'm saying so like they're taking their 850 to a thousand or a thousand to 1200 or whatever that right number, you know right and and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they went from a class 7 combine to a class 8 combine yeah now they got a 16 year old corn head we still have a lot of 16 year old corn heads a lot of 16 year old corn heads a lot more year. than i would ever thought that we'd ever i mean i really thought that was something like yeah, Who's gonna buy this? I thought we only had like two, two in the whole territory. We got but a lot. We had like ten used ones, and they're all gone. Yeah, and we got, and that that was one thing that shocked me a little bit. So obviously, as your equipment gets bigger and more productive, your support equipment has to get bigger right. and more and that too. So there's a correlation between the number of of 1,250 bushel grain carts that we that we sold to the correlation between that and and the number of of guys that have traded in their 670 to 680 yep. or their 670 to 770 or 780 I mean you know so those that that the used market though I will still say that the same guys are buying the same new 770s that had 670s and if they had two combines maybe one of them now is a, is a class 8 one's still a class 7 
or seen some of that mixed a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's the used guy who's got the used class seven that wants to chip up to the used class eight. Right. That's where that biggest mix is coming from. Yep. I'm surprised where we're at and in, in, in the the number of uh, corn acres that we have out in our area. I'm surprised we don't have more six nineties running around. And yeah, seven nineties and with a big you know. Especially as yeah, we're sitting here talking about sixteen row heads. Yeah, but I don't know that you get your bang for the buck with that machine though. What a class nine machine. I think you do. Even I don't. I just don't feel like the well, you turns there. I mean, resale value. I know one of our guys is runs a runs a ninety mm-hmm. that had the sixteen row chopping corn head. That would take some juice. To that's run, that's a yeah. busy sob running man. Yeah, that takes a lot of power, and that's you know that's what he runs on there all the time. Yeah, yeah. But you know, keep in mind what's probably the second thing we harvest after corn, as far as acres, wheat. Wheat, yeah. As a ninety is such a waste in wheat. Not unless you got a fifty-five foot head on the front. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Can you imagine trying to cut something like that? They'd make them in Australia. Oh, I know they. They run them. The I think they're called Midwest. Yeah. They make sixty foot headers. Yeah. Sixty foot. Of course, Australia's been in a drought for hundred and sixteen years, so yeah. they're only cutting ten bushel. <laughs> If you think about that, they're going, you put down Did you, a 690, and yeah. 50 foot at a time at five and a half miles an hour, six miles an well, hour. you can't go that fast in wheat. I bet you could with that. I bet you can't. No way. I bet you could. You're going to go like, you're still going to go like three or whatever. Oh. I'd like to see that 60 foot head in irrigated wheat. <laughs> 100 bushel wheat. So yeah. It does. That's all, that always falls over. Yeah. All the time. Oh, look, someone... Yeah, oh, I fell over again. Go mow that stuff off of the ground. Holy shit! Yeah. Okay, one more thing, and this is probably the biggest shocker to me that we've seen so far. We're supposed to get back home, and it's supposed to snow, mm-hmm. and we still got guys that want to buy windrowers, <laughs> right? And balers, right? right. Still pretty high on the on the, oh, yeah. on the want to buy list. Yep. What's your feel for that marketplace? And I know the bulk of our hay was because we were really wet this year. Right. And the other areas around us were fairly dry, plus a number of, of uh, finishing feedlots and those kind of things have come in to play that we've seen kind of take place, as well as the number of dairies that we've seen kind of pop up in our area. Um, what's your feel for that, that market as a whole right now? Oh, it feels, you know, like it's just going to keep on being as hot as it is, yeah. you know. Shit's October, still doing hay equipment. So yeah. I I think it'll, I think it'll keep plugging along. I mean, eventually, um, you know, like our Alliance store, and they sold like four balers last week. Yeah. So, and, and guys are, you know, hurry up, I need to use it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. So, like the guys that are buying, they aren't buying them because they, like, I just talked to the kids. Yeah, they're not. It's not an end-of-season thing. They're still using yeah, it. Yeah, they still needed to go out. So, I, I think it'll keep going. It's eventually going to slow down some. But, you know, I think the, the winter buying on the hay equipment will be will be pretty good and keep 
plug it along. Right on. Okay. Well, that's all I've got for today. You have anything else you want to throw in the mix? I don't. Okay, buddy. Just another day, man. I hear you. So, what is the, uh, just pretend I'm not cruising, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sitting on the couch with the iPad. Perusing the internet, and I'm like, let's go see what uh, what see what Aaron Fintel's up to. Where would I where would I go find you at? At Aaron Fintel, spelled like Fintel, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, also on Facebook, or call or text my phone 308-760-1193. Okay. You can find me at Moving Iron LLC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron Podcast Make sure you you stay tuned in to the website to see about the 2019 Moving Iron Summit. Uh, probably going to, I think it's going to be in Nashville this year, so um, looking forward to that. So until next time, I'm Casey Seymour. I'm Aaron Fennell. Let's go move some iron. Thanks, Casey and Aaron. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash asktheexpert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it on our Ask the Expert blog. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. We hope you'll tune in with us for our last episode of 2018 on December 27th. For Casey and Aaron, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.